welcome to Forever Canon, the podcast where we talk about, oh, you know, how we finish reading the ninth book of Legacy of the Force, Invincible. Bum, bum, bum. Previously on Forever Canon, we finished book nine. <laughs> and it had too much ending. There was an ending, and then it should have been done. <laughs> All the other stuff that came after that ending should have happened before, even though that's chronologically impossible. Just saying. <laughs> I'm Justin. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> what? Did we already do that part? No. I don't think so. Let's no. Listen, let's dive right in here. This one's going to be a long one. So let's get into it with the galactic overview. What the hell happened in the larger galaxy outside of just our characters in this ultimate finale legacy of horse book nine invincible three weeks after the government shattering battle of Fondor Imperial forces attack the Verpine tech experts at Roche forcing the Mandalorians to fulfill their protection contract. Kytus's GA joins the Imperials in their takeover while Nyathal's GA and Dala's Remnant arrive in defense of the Verpine and in opposition to Kytus. Back on Coruscant, Kytus' GA captures the Hapen Prince Isolder, revealing the hidden location of the Jedi, which gives Kytus' war a final direction, and draws Tenelka and the home fleet back into the now three? Four-sided war? Something like that. <laughs> Arriving in the transitory mist with the Anakin Solo and the newer, bigger, badder Megadorer. Mm-hmm. Just called Megadorer. Kytus' yeah. GA begins their final assault against the concealed Jedi Order. However, the assassination of Darth Kytus proves to be one final tipping point. The Moths are forced to join Nithal's alliance. Somehow the war is resolved with the Confederation. And as the Imperial Remnant, now led by Jag Fowl, also joins the alliance creating an all-inclusive galaxy-wide government motivated by peace and led by new chief of state, Natasi Dalla. Peace indeed. Politics in space have changed tremendously. Uh, over the, from the, over the ni- course of these nine books. From the assassination to of Jason. Yes. Which was... Two weeks later, the war is over and everybody's friends. Everything is drastically different. (laughs) Now, mind you, that kind of makes a certain amount of sense. Because... there We passed a point in this war where it became GA versus Confederation. And it became Jason's mission of teaching everybody lessons. Yeah. Where he became the aggressor of the war and not a judiciary of any type. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it kind of makes a little bit of sense, but at the same time, it's just like tie it up in a happy little smiley face bag because we done did it. We got a new government. Everybody's happy together. Doll is in charge. Jag runs the Imperials. It's a completely different galaxy all of a sudden two chapters later. Yeah. And so that's where we leave this series off. That's where we leave this book off. A new, truly galactic government. Because, you know, when we, the Galactic Alliance that we used to have didn't include the Imperial Remnant. No. And I'm sure other large portions of space that still aren't included in this new government. But now it's, you know, the GA and the Confederation is back and the Imperials are all together too. So. It is all. So everything is cool. Other than uh, essentially 
the huts and the mandos it's a a true galactic alliance now with the Imperials in it. Well, and then there's still the Chiss out there, and then there's bugs out there, and there's all kinds of shit in the galaxy that don't follow the rules. Yeah. But the fact that it was Corellia was like a big problem. To start yeah. With. And so now, now everybody's all back together, and we'll deal with, obviously, the fallout of all of this moving forward. You know, mm-hmm. it's not something you cover in the last two chapters of <laughs> the book where you just murdered a major character. Yeah. But... You know, that's all for the next series. It just does. It is. It's like the ending, the political part of the ending is like standing on one leg. Mm-hmm. It's very tippy over. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever that word <laughs> should be. I just, it's not satisfying. No. To just be like, okay, okay. Having Jag in charge and having Dala in charge is really cool. <laughs> those, that, those two parts are very satisfying. Having Dala leading this new government and saying at the end of the books, hey, like, kind of fuck the Jedis, right, guys? Yeah. <laughs> like, to everybody, all the normies out there. Hey, superheroes, bad, right? So, like, we're about to go through, like, a mutant X-Men type of thing, maybe. It sounds like what she's going for. You yeah. Know? Like the Incredibles. Yeah. All like, the superheroes are bad. Yeah, it's bad. Life's better when we just pretend that nobody has special powers and we'll deal with our own problems. But, you know, the whole idea of like, oh, this whole war broke out over, you know, weapons and military and and the Space Navy allocation of resources. And now Dahl is like, hey, we're going to use, what if we use all those navies for peace? <laughs> what? Isn't that, I mean, that is, all right. Isn't that what we were doing before? That's kind of what they were supposed to be doing before. But... Yeah, and then like somebody didn't follow the rules and then it turned into like, a guy was a Sith, and it was like all kinds of bad stuff. Yeah, everything went sideways. So I don't know. A lot of that rings empty for me. It's just that I I feel like this series kind of overreached itself in the political background of of its story, mm-hmm. where we haven't even talked about the Confederation for like two fucking books. And I okay, I understand wars change, but it's not like they've gone away. Just yeah, the Galactic something. Alliance is fractured, so now there's two parts of that. But the Confederation has still been out there the whole time. And then all of a sudden it's like <clears throat> you bring the moths into the fold, and then con- the Confederation's like, oh, now we have you now we're so outgunned that we have to stand down. Haven't we been in that situation like four or five times over the course of the book on either side, and nobody has stood down once ever? It's yeah. been fight to the death every single time. Yep. People just barely making it away because something lucky happens. So like, or, you know, just, it's just a, a string of prime minister assassinations. Yeah. Not backing down. <laughs> Not just like, oh, wasn't this war bad? Was it? Was it really, really bad for most of the confederation? Like them specifically, the team that would have to come back to the table. Yeah. They're the ones who, who annexed themselves away from the Galactic Alliance. They deserted. And so they're the ones that are going to have to come back to make this government whole, really. The Empire was never part of it. So, like, that's just like you're clipping a new thing on the side. This is like they're going to have to merge back together. These are the people who are truly at war with each other. But we haven't been talking about them for the last two books. We've been talking about Dala's army and Nihal's army and Jason's army. Not at all about the Confederation. No. They just have slipped into the background, I think, because everything became... A little, a little 
chaotic a too chaotic a little too i don't want to say like i don't mean to say complicated beyond the range of these writers talents not at all these they're fucking great writers but i just mean in terms of how many pages you have and where yeah. and how much like you know what i mean screen time in the book that you have to spend yeah you only have so much so much we, to we work stopped with. checking in on the confederation pretty much when han and leia left yeah like the only reason we even knew what was going on for most of the time with the confederation was that han and leia defected sort of into the middle and went and hit on that side but yeah i don't know it's peace now the galaxy's at peace congratulations oh hey good thing congratulations peace for everybody <laughs> except maybe as is alluded to by adala maybe not the jedi yeah speaking of the jedi let's talk about these characters the main characters in this book legacy of the force niner invincibler because as much as the politics might have gotten out of hand well the characters as we'll see just might have gotten even more out of hand now <laughs> start as we have the last few reviews since we've had so many people dying off with han and leia solo the solo parents only child edition <laughs> they used to have three <laughs> they're mostly around and involved for the whole book but they're just mostly in the background yeah they're in the till sort of the peripheral yeah. mostly they're present when Jaina asks the masters for per permission to go hunt and kill her brother Leia is around to help Jaina fly through the Dyson cyclone on Coruscant and help her lose Ben to the GAG good Thank God she's around for that. Han pilots his surviving family members through the mess at Nickel One with no shields. Because Luke is taking a nap. Still the best pilot in the galaxy, in case you didn't know that. Yeah. 70 fucking whatever years old. Sharper than a... Vibroblade. I got there. Yeah. <laughs> with one of those uh, molecular edges on it. You know. Yeah. Super sharperness. from The, the, the laser sharpened ones. Anyways. They're around so much that they even drop Jaina off for her first attack on her brother at Nickel One when she, well, when they tell her, be sneaky. We got this. <laughs> we'll get to that later. They also get to be present, Han and Leia do, when Tenelkos shows up as Shidumad and tells everybody that Kytus is coming to kill all the Jedi. Yes. Good thing they're there. And... They get to watch as Kaidus immediately starts smashing their plans for defeating him into oblivion. They had a plan. Han Solo gets to watch his daughter in danger out there and not know what's happening and Luke is taking a nap. So, that's great. Here he comes to the transitory mess. So much, so much just watching for the Solos. Yeah. Watching. They're in the room. They're noticed. They speak. Yeah. They don't get much of a say though. Nobody does a whole lot in this book except for Jason and Jaina. Ben has a couple of hot minutes, him and Tahiri, and I don't mean hot in, in the, that kind of way because mm -hmm. it's gross. But there's like, yeah, four people that do things in this book, and that's okay for yeah. the big culmination finale. That's fine. So they're mostly standing around the background, listening for a long time until comes the end of the book where they're clearing the way for the assault slash rescue slash capture team going on to the Anakin solo Han gets to confront the moths and abstain himself from senseless violence 
character growth. Mm-hmm. Although he's never been that guy anyways. No. He's, he's always been the guy to freak out and hold the gun to the head and then not pull the trigger if he doesn't have to. Yeah. Right? He didn't. He he couldn't kill Thrak and Solo. Boba Fett had to do it. He shot him a couple times after he was dead for satisfaction. But, you know, we've seen time and time again, it's that's not Han Solo. No. As much. and, and He's that's, not a murderer. Well, that's another thing that I think is unique to Han Solo in these books is that, or in this cast of characters. Well, <laughs> first of all, he's a normie. And maybe that plays into this. He's the only one who's like unaware of himself. Um, psychologically. Where like he still goes, he says all kinds of shit all the time that you know he would never do, like the threats against three PO and stuff like that. Like he's the only person who speaks about himself as if he doesn't know himself. Yeah, often he's probably one of the because he's a human regular guy. Yeah, he's the only one that hasn't spent of the general cast that hasn't spent years in like contemplation, contemplation uh, of self awareness. Yeah, you're actually totally right, (laughs) but him as that mirror against everybody else where he's he's in all these scenes standing around going what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. and i wish that i had superpowers to know what was going on <laughs> you know it's good i like him for that in these books both the solo parents get to see the aftermath of jason versus jaina uh one nearly destroyed child holding the other's corpse and they get to be there to shed a single tear and tend to Jaina and take her off on her way. And in the end, they get to have the happy ending of the book. Yes. Because they reveal to Jaina that Jason's daughter, Alana, despite Jaina disregarding Jason's pleas for for stoppage, <laughs> pleas for timeout. Yeah. <laughs> you know? He wanted to warn Alana and Tenelka. It was all he was trying to do was save them. Despite the fact that she didn't believe him and she killed him. And then... He's dead. So... The child must be dead. Yeah. Psych! He didn't get a chance to warn him. That's right. Han and Leia get to deliver the happy ending special message. Special message. Which is... Alana is alive. Her name is now Amelia. And she's your sister. We're her new 70-year-old parents. <laughs> Just what she wanted. <laughs> the most Han and Leia has been in, I think, all the books. And yeah. I mean, I mean, like, on a scene-by-scene basis. I don't mean uh, this is the most they've done. They had books where they're gallivanting around with Boba Fett, for God's sakes, and his granddaughter around Corellia. They had books where they were... Uh, well, that's about it. But yeah. They were definitely peripheral characters for most of this, but they fought Alamarar twice. <laughs> a couple times. There was there were some things that happened. But this is for sure. This is by far I think the most that they were even around in this whole nine book series. Like even though many of their, their appearances here are, like we said, in the background or just momentary glimpses of them, like in someone else's scene, right? Yep. Uh, and and we were talking about it when we were doing the chapter reviews where like oh we're building up okay Jason died and then the book keeps going and it's like oh we're building up it seems like we're building up to having 
this montage of people feeling it and realizing it in the force and reacting to it. Like we're about to have a montage of emotional, emotionally crippling scenes. Yeah. No, just punch the mic stand. The answer is no. Leia looked off in the distance and Han was scared that Jaina was dead. And she says, Jaina got him. That's it. We don't see Luke react. We see Jaina. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, we don't see Ben react. Tahiri react. We don't see Tenel Ka. Any of the masters Alana, at all. Any Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. No. Just. Just Leia. Leia gets teary distant and Han puts his hand on her arm. And then when they collect their beaten daughter and murdered son, which by the way, what did they ever do with his body? Yeah, they don't say. No, they don't say. Um, I thought that occurred to me while I was writing this shit down. They, they, they at least get to be there for that. And even in that moment, they have no emotional reaction at all. It's just the stunned silence, I guess, of of, of violence. Yeah, in shock. Yeah, they, they like they have tears in their brimming in their eyes while they like bandage Jaina up and stuff. But you know, we talked about this mm-hmm. off mic, or even probably on mic before. But they've they already grieved. They already yeah. lost their son, you know, but still there was so much more emotional weight and impact that could have been swung around there. Mm-hmm. Nothing. Yeah, it, it did. It did fall. The The emotional backlash from that and should there was so much more that could have been explained or even just. Here's a sentence. Here's how this person felt. Like, explore some feelings. Yeah. Not just... Maybe the explanation is, well, we've been built... Everybody's been working up to the courage, essentially, to to kill this guy. Like, everybody's already been decided on it all, all along the way, except they haven't. Every single person has wavered back and forth multiple times. Yeah. You finish a book ready to kill him. You start a book not sure. Even Jaina in this book. Before she kills him, she wonders, oh my God, can he be redeemed? After she kills him, oh my God, could I have saved him? (laughs) Like, there's doubt everywhere, but we're not... That doubt is not informing emotions. Yeah. Those thoughts are not creating scenes where feelings exist. (laughs) There's just... (laughs) Tears and eyes, hand on a wrist. And yeah. I think I think that was really kind of disappointing for Han and Leia. Chewie's dead. Anakin's dead. Jason's now dead. Mara's dead. They're like the last fucking two people alive, them and Luke. Yeah, half their family's dead. Yeah. And 66% of their children. <laughs> it's bad. That's a bad average. That's not good at all. I know that. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. They had their scenes around like book five uh, or four when, when Jason brought dead Aelin Vell around and stuff like that mm-hmm. and like progressed from there where they were having their emotional moments. But let's have a satisfying culmination of that here 
not just yeah the realization that it's that's over it's done are just we are down another kid shocked gentle silence right? yeah and maybe like the like the quick wrap up on the war that we deal with that moving forward right as of course you would you can't just ignore that massive yeah. change but i just didn't think there was enough of a reaction honestly from fucking anybody except for jaina which we'll get to that but i really thought we were building up to a montage of Yoda and Obi-Wan, like feeling the pain in the force type of thing. Oh, oh God, Jason's died because he died as Jason. Yeah. Anyway, we'll get to that. Anyway. Whatever. It's just not, not quite enough there for me, but at least I get to be with Jason and Jaina one last time before setting themselves up with a new kid to ruin. Favorite moment. <laughs> what was your What was your favorite moment for Han and Leia? Well, being like as you said, mostly in the like mostly the outliers of the story. Yeah, they're like support role. Yeah, NPCs. It was the and and having less emotional. It was it was the traditional Han action stuff. Him flying through a like a just a wall a of, lasers and, of lasers and, and yeah, yeah, bombs going off around him and he has no shields and just that kind of traditional Han and Leia stuff. That's great. See, my favorite thing was very, again, stereotypical, traditional Han Solo, not understanding what's going on with the force, <laughs> him being annoyed with Luke napping all the time yeah. was like my favorite thing. He turns, he's like, Hey, we don't got any shields back there. Luke, he turns around. Luke is just, you know, we know what he's doing. He's, he's force projecting himself across the universe. But Han looks at a dude he needs to be flipping switches, and he's just got his hands crossed and his lap and his eyes closed. Yeah. And Han's like, okay, doesn't really help me, but all right, here we go. Vroom, 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 bitch. You know, like, I love that he's always just like, oh, I gotta, I'm going to have to do it my regular ass normal self, I guess. Yeah. And he pulls it off, though. Yeah, he fucking does. I, I like that he gets annoyed with Luke. Yeah. Me too. Speaking of, our second character, Luke Skywalker, Grandmaster Manipulator of events, the future, and potentially all things. <laughs> he starts off expressing to the, uh, the collection of Jedi Masters and Jaina that he's tainted with the dark side after wrongfully revenge-killing Lumaya, and he announces to all of them that he will not be going after Jason as has been set up for eight books, <laughs> maybe seven straight books. Yeah. I can't do it because I killed Lumaya and now I feel like all the visions I see of me killing him are bad, bad me in the future. Just leads to darkness. Darkness, darkness. All right, fine. Let's not do that. Let's take a swerve. So instead, he'll... Keep hidden with the Jedi on Shidumad while trying to influence Jason's visions of the future. Also, I'll be napping mm-hmm. and force projecting. Also, allowing my son to be captured. All part of the plan. Which he tells no one about. <laughs> so even us, the reader, is largely left clueless. But hey, Kytus won't see Jaina coming, so... Mm. At least... 
At least no uh, nobody gets to know anything. It's yeah. You don't feel. And we talked. We talked about him not telling anybody anything. Add at fucking at, nauseum. at length for yeah, sure. It's enough of that. We get. It's, we get it. But Jason won't won't see you coming, Jaina, because I'll be meddling in his visions and also quite literally won't see you because I'm gonna force project my own image over you when you go fight him. Which again to touch on. Once more, Jason had that premonition danger sense and he saw a purple lightsaber blade coming at him and then he turns around and it's Luke and his green lightsaber vision projected. Oh, you saw the truth, man. The force showed you the truth. Yeah. Okay. Luke does some really badass stuff in this fucking book, even though he literally just sits still in a chair for almost the whole thing. (laughs) Yeah. Different yeah. chairs. Yes, different chairs. He different doesn't... area codes. But, yeah, no. It's not like he's not... All right. <laughs> okay. We get it. He does cool things, though, like teaches Jaina how to chatter point. Didn't know he knew how to do that. It's probably been touched on in other books. Mm-hmm. Which Jaina doesn't even use against At Jason. All. Doesn't come up. That's just a throw-in. Foreshadowing for the next series, that's probably already partially planned. And Okay. Yeah. But. And it annoyed me, too. All right. <laughs> yep. Sure. It's more. Okay. We'll get to it when we talk about Jaina. Luke is napping when the Anakin arrives to destroy the Jedi, which annoys Han, like we said. But he is 100% guaranteed, I've decided this, giving Jason... That vision of Alana on the White Throne. Okay. Because I went back and looked at the book, and it's literally the end of one chapter, Luke is meeting Alana. The beginning of the next chapter, Jason is having this vision of the White Throne with okay. his daughter on it. There's no way. It. I'm saying that's Luke. I'm fucking calling it. 100% guaranteed. 100%. He's napping all the time that he's doing this, but he wakes up for a quick bombing run against the Anakin. He leads a whole bunch of Jedi. They lose half a dozen or a dozen stealth X's. Yeah, they lose Jedi. a bunch. Yikes. Jason gets a pound of flesh. And then after he bombs the Anakin, he shows up on there with Jack Fell and he puts Jack Fell in charge of the Imperials. And then he's done and gone from the book. We don't talk about Luke again. No. Nope. Um, there's no Ben and Luke resolution meetup re- reunion at the end of the book. There's no Luke reacting to anything. There's no Luke seeing his niece, brother and sister. There's no Luke uh, having a having a perspective or opinion on Dala saying threatening things to the Jedi. Yeah. He says, Jag, you're in charge of the Imperials, and he is gone. Yeah, peace out. That's it. (laughs) Once again, not a satisfying conclusion to this this guy's whole arc, which we'll talk about next week over these nine books, but not a satisfying conclusion to this book, even, because he, he hasn't said anything to anybody about anything all book. Yeah, it seems very... 
all the all the things we've talked about so far, like cut off at the knees, kind of just. Whoosh, all right, done. All right, move on to the next person. Yep, sort of. Yeah, and I mean him especially. There's no wrap up for the guy who's been the main adversary for the main character yeah. for the whole books, who's been manipulating the future apparently. <laughs> It's just, it feels empty again. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying that as a criticism, right? I, I still loved the book, but I'm saying that not as like a, Oh, this book sucks because I'm saying it in the vein of how, Oh, it would be so much better with this much extra. Yeah. And maybe it is just editing and page constraints. I don't know. I don't know anything about the fucking <laughs> the corporate world of printing books. I don't know. I don't know anything about professional <laughs> writing contracts, right? I don't, I, I don't know. I read this book and I write about it. That's all I do. <laughs> yeah. Right. So I don't mean it in a critical way, like in a negatively critical way, just in like a, Ooh, I wish. Yeah. Like I wish we, we had a time or space for a paragraph of Luke and Ben coming together and him saying like, Oh yeah, we got him. I did this. You did this. I'm proud of you. We're proud of each other. Yeah. Something like this is some set something up for them moving forward. Yeah. The only future that gets set up is the government and the solos. We don't talk about Ben particularly. Yeah. Not, we don't touch on like Ben and Tahiri leave off going like she's one of the team. And yeah. And, yeah, and then they're you gone. Know, Luke's like, okay, Jag, <clears throat> they're on the team. And Han and Leia, here's a new daughter on the team. And just a lot of like, leave. it feels like a lot of fucking balls are still floating up in the air. Like, we haven't caught all the, we're not finished juggling. Yeah. And we're not. No. Because the fucking story goes on. There's, yeah, there's nine more, more books go. after this, right? Well, uh, there's uh, the Millennium, Count of the Millennium Falcon too. There's more. But it just, how do you write a satisfying conclusion to a story that never ends? Yeah. Blah, I don't know. But I wanted, I wanted, give Luke a reaction to Jason's death. This is his greatest failure of his entire life. Yeah, it really is. It is. So much so that it led to him being tainted by the dark side. His wife got murdered. His son got captured and tortured. Twice. <laughs> and almost turned to the dark side. You lost Tahiri to the dark side. You lost, like, over the course of the books, maybe 15 Jedi? A couple of the Masters? This has got to be his biggest direct failing. That is your nephew that you failed to have a positive relationship with. And thus, you know, he's driven ever further away from the Jedi temple. So let's say specifically. Yeah. Right? Which you being the leader of. And we get nothing. <clears throat> none. Yeah. None of him. I, he should be a fucking puddle. Bawling about Darth Kydus. Not even Jason Solo. Yeah. Jason's been dead for books. Ball about that failing that just lit Kashyyyk on fire, just dis destroyed the government that you worked to protect all these years and build with your family. Like what 
a failure this was. And he goes, all right, Jag, you're in charge. Dusts his hands off and walks out of the book. Yeah. You know, he was as much of a character. He was as much of of the main character of this series as Jason was. Yeah, he was for the entire series. For sure, the first arc. He was definitely the up until this book. Although, you know what? We've been saying it all along. He's been fucking sleeping on the job the whole time. Yeah, but he in Jason's eyes. boots off at the end of his bed. Like. In Jason's eyes, he was the counterpoint. Yeah. He was his opposite, and he, Jason didn't think necessarily he's equal. He still thought he could win, but. <laughs> yeah. It's just unsatisfying. Yeah. And maybe on purpose. Yeah. Maybe that feeling of dissatisfaction is what makes you fucking pick the next book up. You know what I mean? You can't give them everything they want at the end of this book because then they don't want the next one as badly. I don't know. But I wanted Luke to react to Jason's death for fuck's sake. It's working on me. I want the next book. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. (laughs) Right. But at the same time, man, I wanted... I wanted to know Luke's thoughts. Yeah. Just like I wanted to know Jason's thoughts and we'll get to that. But what's your favorite Luke Skywalker moment? I, I like his overwhelming use of the force in this book. That was something, sorry, I meant to touch on and didn't. He, we don't see him using the powers but we see the result of these tremendous force power that yeah. he's putting out there. Yeah. Fantastic. It's not like because because it's books, it's not like <laughs> it's books. it's the it's not the visceral visual that you see in the movies because they can show lightning and sure, they can sure. show like force shoves and stuff like that. Right. This was it's the more, more work. metaphysical. Reading is always more work. Right? Yeah. And him projecting his presence in a physical enough way that it can blast away or bat away blaster bolts. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I like that. And to the point of like trying to picture it visually in a, in a movie scene, it would be such a terrible fight scene to watch because you'd be, you would want to cut back from Jaina slash Luke fighting with Jason to, Luke sitting quietly on a bench, <laughs> just projecting himself. This eyebrow twitches or something. Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah, that those that was that's great. Yeah, that is great. My favorite moment with Luke was the White Throne vision because that was him, hundred <laughs> percent. There's no fucking way that was. You're talking about it for like because chapters and chapters. His whole thing was like Jason's whole thing all along. His obvious weakness is his hubris. His mm-hmm. ridiculous overconfidence that is proven well-founded time and time again. And so he played him perfectly instead of showing, you know, he just, he gave Kytus exactly what he wanted to see. Yeah. That would make him think that would make him let his guard down. Like he, I don't have to be on high alert. We win. I saw it. We win. It's cool. Don't yeah. worry about it. Moffs. It's fine. Ah, shields? Nah, we don't have to repair that. It's fine. We can go into that battle with no shields. We'll just stay behind the big ship. It's all good. Because we fucking won. I seen it. 
in a vision. <laughs> you know what I mean? That was that was him. That was my favorite Luke Skywalker moment. <laughs> so our favorite Luke moments are his use of the Force. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I also liked... Um, oh, no. I hated that he didn't say anything or tell anybody anything other than the fact that he can't kill Jason. Cool. Our next character... With maybe not more to do because Luke did a lot, but more action. Ben Skywalker. If you're paying attention to the review episodes, you'll notice he's been demoted. But Ben Skywalker, our genetic grand redeemer slash super spy, is sort of in this book quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Off and on. He meets with Shivu in the beginning to pinpoint Kytus's location so the Jedi can attack him. Of course, they're promptly captured and popped out of the narrative. Chapter 3. Gone. <laughs> Until chapter 10. Return! Back in the story after having been tortured again by a droid this time. Yeah, double X. Kytus couldn't do it himself, so he sent his personal security droid, SD double X. Tahiri jams her hand down his pants. Then makes him watch as she accidentally kills his only friend. On Shivu. His wife was worried about him. Ben escapes. Is rescued slash sexualized by a pair of grown hapen women. And shows up back with the Jedi. And is just as tall as his dad. Then when the Imperials and Tahiri arrive at Shidumad to kill all the Jedi with a nuclear bomb. Ben thwarts them and turns Tahiri back to the light. Just with simple conversation. Your descriptions of the things that <laughs> happened to Ben is amazing. That is me being facetious. <laughs> my One of my favorite most recent words that I've looked up because I was pretty sure I was using it wrong and I sort of was. <laughs> it means to make light of a more serious thing such as child abuse, <laughs> sexual abuse. So, that's me being facetious. Yeah. It is, I think, more a sign of the times. We talked about it, and we'll yeah, talk we about it again quickly. But this older woman touching a teenage boy being okay thing is so a trope of, of, of the abusive history of humans. That is gone. Like, mm -hmm. That's not okay. It's not cool anymore for the high school teacher to bang a high school student. Like, that's not cool. Yeah. You're not a cool guy anymore smoking cigarettes with your fucking Camaro out in the parking lot after you just banged your teacher on the desk or whatever. Yeah. Which, again, I sound like a f I'm talking movies. <laughs> but, like, yeah. you know, it, it shows up in media all the time. This, this trope of there's no such thing as a too innocent boy. They're ready to fuck anytime. Yeah. And it's appropriate. <laughs> as long as you're a grown woman. Uh, so... I don't, I, I don't, again, a thing that would not be in these books in 2020. Or no, it would never make it to print. No, because you would, you would just, you would write it in a more, in a less cliche way. Mm -hmm. Because that's all that is, is just a, a ha 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 funny thing. People joke about it because it hurts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, there's no way 13 year old boys who banged 13 year old women are okay with that 
all of their lives forever and with no negative psychological detriment. There's not a chance that that's possible. Yeah. So, you know, society makes a joke about it. Like, oh, it's it's all part of the fucking boys will be boys attitude thing. Yes. Right. Yeah. Whatever. Point being, Ben Skywalker redeems Teary, Mm -hmm. even though she tried to touch his weenie. And he's just a little 14-year-old boy. Is he 15 now? No, he's 14. No, he's 14. Because he was 13 when we started, right? Yes. That's what Tahiri was waiting for. <laughs> Once that kid blows out 14 candles. <laughs> Good to go. It's on. <clears throat> anyways, anyways. No. <laughs> he, he, he thwarts Tahiri's nuclear bomb as they... Land in a, a deep pit of water. He talks her down from the dark side because he spent all the books in Tahiri's position. Yeah. He was Jason's apprentice who he made do bad things that he wasn't sure that he wanted to do. He was Jason's apprentice who who Jason made to feel bad about all kinds of things in psychologically manipulative ways. He's He was uh, Jason's apprentice who uh, was also tortured. You know, he's able to relate to her on a lot of levels. Being Jason's abusee, like a victim, I guess, is a more appropriate word. But yeah, that's what saves her. Yeah, he can. He I've been can there, and relate. they took me back. Yeah, I did stuff. I killed people. Yeah, I did bad things too for Jason, but yeah. but I always knew all along the way in my heart that I didn't mean it. And I know I saw you when you killed Shivu. You didn't mean that. And you didn't like that. Yeah. Come on back to the light. And then the Hapen lady shines her flashlight. Flirter shines a flashlight. Yeah. Taryn or one of them, one of their names. And uh, that's all for Ben. (laughs) Yeah. Save Tahiri and all the Jedi. No big deal. Just to be clear. (laughs) Yeah. They were all going to (laughs) die. Yeah. She was going to blow up like half a planet. Bomb. Even after they landed in the bottom. It was so big that it took four guys to carry it. She would rather nuclear suicide, murder, suicide, everybody, including herself, than subject herself to the judgment of the Jedi after the things that she's done that she feels so guilty about. But it's like 30 seconds of Ben talking and she's back in. Mm hmm. Which actually doesn't bother me. No. Because, now uh, let's talk about Tahiri for a second here. She doesn't get her own character spotlight. All along the way, Tahiri has been very reluctant. Yeah. Jason has had to bribe her from the very beginning with taking her back in time to see Anakin. She has not been evil, foaming at the mouth, chomping at the bit to do his deeds. Yeah, she hasn't been very reluctant. Willing to do what it takes like she's like she ha- I'll, I'll do yeah. it but you got to give me this and also questioning him all along the way like she was set up to be redeemed it was yeah pretty i mean it was obvious but saying that i've read these books before and i can't wait to talk about that next week how different reading it the second time is yeah this, and and you know what people maybe people who listen to the podcast and who read like other readers do will think I'm saying something really naive <laughs> because most people reread book series over and over and over. Right. You, you find one that you like and you read the piss out of it. I've never done that. Now, star Wars is different 
it doesn't really even qualify for that because there's so many different books, right? Yeah. It's not like The Dark Tower, which has seven, seven eight books, technically. Mm-hmm. But I read the shit out of that, and then it was done. <laughs> or, you know, like I'm in the middle of, not in the middle, I'm in 13 out of 14 or 12 out of 15 books through the wheel of time. And then that's done. Yeah. But I don't reread series. <laughs> I'm always looking for the next thing. You know, most people do. They reread the same shit over and over. Yeah. And that's cool, man. I get it. That's what we're doing right here. And we're reading this in a different way. We're reading it. Ten years later. And analyzing as we go. That too. It's not. A, it, we are doing it in a purposeful, thoughtful yeah. way. But We're enjoying ourselves, but we're not reading it purely for the enjoyment. Either. Yeah. But I do genuinely think this might be the first time I've ever read a book twice. Hmm. I don't. <laughs> I don't. I, I read it. I love it. And then I'm like, let's find the next thing. Okay. That's just me. I'm like, I'm always in search of novelty. It's only Star Wars books that I've reread. But well, now that's all for me, right? Yeah. I'm on the same list as you there, but. There was, ne- there was never reason at the time that these books were being published uh, when I was reading them the first time fucking 13 years ago. There was no reason to reread them because there was a, a 14 book series right before it or 17 book series right before it. And, and then there's more coming later. And then there's a hundred other books that happened before it. Like there's so much yeah. in the canon at the time, right? So I just never did reread these books. I did though, while I was waiting for publish of the, of the later ones mm-hmm. in the series, I did when I was working at Chrysler's doing eight hour midnight shifts in the factory, re listen to them on audiobook. Okay. And it kind of sucked. Oh, did it? Yeah. The acting and the reading was really great. The sound, the sound effects was like, it was star Wars. It was the sound effects quality, like brings the audio reading up to like a, like a performance, like a play. Okay. It was really, really high quality, but a lot of shit got cut. Uh, they were abridged. Oh. And I don't like that. No, and that's there were terrible. no unabridged versions. So it was like, I remember very specifically, there was one scene that, that it was like Ben, and then something happens in between in the book, and then it goes back to Ben, and they just cut that thing in the middle, and I was reading it. Or when I was listening to it, I was like, I'm all confused now. <laughs> I'm lost. And then I was like, oh, I don't like these as much. Point being, I can't wait to talk about that next week because, boy, is it ever different this time. Yeah. Jason Solo is not as much my idol as he was he's not 13 as, years ago. He's still super cool, but he's not as awesome. No, he's not. <laughs> he's not a golden god. No, he's not. He's kind of a fucking dumbass a lot of times in this book that I retroactive ask me again in 13 years. I might have the same answer that I had a year and a half ago. Yeah. But with more moving forward, I just had never, I just had never reread them. And now rereading this finale. I want so much more. Yeah. You know, I don't remember it falling as short. Because it didn't the first time. Yeah. There's no way. No. But this second time, anyways. Maybe it comes with maturity. I don't know. Yeah, right? 
like living life a little bit and the brain at 20 is very different than the brain at 32 the shit doesn't even stop growing until 25 or 6 yeah so it's a different brain <laughs> and ben has grown into some kind of adult handsome lady killer sith redeemer Best friend in the bottom of the pit maker. Yeah. He's always been wise beyond his years all through the books. Well, now he's 14 and he's hot as fuck. What's your favorite moment of Ben Skywalker? Redeeming Tahiri. At the end? Yeah. At the very end. I like because he was in... I like it because in earlier scenes and earlier books, after he got away from Jason, Luke was kind of setting him up to be the next big... Yeah. And Take that was his like his order. first step into hey, see look, it, you can be redeemed. You can redeem into people. that into that leadership responsibility. Yeah. Another one of those steps, yeah. Yeah, my favorite part was right before that when they were doing their free fall lightsaber fight down a shaft around <laughs> a nuclear bomb. Yeah. That was fucking cool. <laughs> that was a sweet action scene and I liked it a lot. Our fourth character if you've been paying attention to the reviews, you'll notice has moved up in the ranks. Jaina Solo. AKA Janna Sword of the Jedi. Was that in this one? Yeah. Like on the ninth page or fourth page or something. Janna. Why are you doing your quick review? Yeah. When I was, uh, when I was looking through my notes to write this review episode, I was like, oh yeah, fucking Janna. I forgot about that. <laughs> So, anyways, this is going to be a long one. Yeah. We covered all the other characters in the first hour here. And we're going to... This is going to be two. I'm going to read fast. Hmm. Jane Solo sure is busy this time around. We complained so many, many times, so many, many, many books that she was not in the books. And now she is very, very busy. She goes a few places and she does a few things and is the only one actively remembering what an absolute amazing man hero Jason used to be. She's the only one who has those thoughts throughout this book. Yeah, everybody else is. Look at all the bad things he's doing. They're not remembering that he was a hero. Just her. His his twin sister, of course, right? As you do. She leads the Mandos to salvation on Nickel One, Boba Fett included. Her proposal that she be the one to hunt Jason is accepted by the Masters, even though they already knew she was going to tell them that because Luke told them that she was going to say that because he knew it from the future because he probably manipulated it. But Jane is following the rules. She goes and asks permission to go kill her brother. This, would is she, her, this is her growth. Would she have done it anyways, even if they didn't give her permission? I don't think so. Now. Her, I think yeah, halfway no, her through this book growth. series, she totally would have. Yeah. yeah. But is that what she learned at Mandalore? Responsibility? That's what she's flexing here. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to follow the rules. And I want to do this right so that I don't follow the dark side. Or some shit, right? Yeah. Well, she's a new woman. Next, she gives up the chase for Ben when he's captured. Responsible. Following the rules. More growth. She doesn't just blindly chase after him until they all die. She's learned to stick to the mission. Is that what she learned at Mandalore? <laughs> until she rocket suits out of a ship and cuts up a TIE fighter with a lightsaber when she's supposed to be keeping a low profile. So, 
growth or not? Is she disciplined or not? Has she learned to follow the rules and what's asked of her or not? Hold that thought. Mm -hmm. We're going to keep going with this argument. She fights her way to a projection booth on nickel one, then battles with her brother, unknowingly as Luke Skywalker. She is. She shows more discipline by not checking on Mertegev when she gets her head dropped on the floor from 15 feet in the air. Discipline. Growth. Stick it to the missionist. Okay. She manages to cut off Jason's arm. She gets blood sprayed across the neck and face and is forced to retreat because she can't beat her one-armed brother. She retreats. Maturity, responsibility, growth? I don't know. I'm just throwing that one in there as a argument on, on one side or the other. A week later, she starts wondering if the Force wants her to save her brother. Uh, where's that Mando conviction? Where's that dedication? Where's that single directed focus? Is that not what she learned there? I don't know, but she learns Shatterpoint from Luke and doesn't put it to use against her very dangerous brother who knows how to use this technique. She doesn't use it. Now imagine this, Tim. Her and Jason synchronized Shatterpoint pommel striking each other's lightsabers at the same time destroying each other's lightsabers simultaneously and having to finish that fight with hands and feet and nails and teeth. Eh. <laughs> Use that shatter point. <laughs> yeah. Or he tries to shatter point Jaina's brain and he misses and hits the fusion reactor. Then what do we do? <laughs> nope. Nobody used it in that fight. They used it in the previous fight. Jason, or Jason did. He breaks Amando's breastplate open and then shoves his lightsaber inside. Well, bang, shatter point. Poof, turns to Thanos dust. Yeah. No, don't. Let's not use that in the fight to the death for your life for the future that you believe you've already won. Hey, Jaina, don't you use it either in the fight to the death against your brother who's outmatched you, even though he's only got one arm. Shatter point, though. We got that. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. Good. 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 More powers. That's good. 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 Don't use it. When Kytus arrives in the mist, Jaina shows off her piloting skills to remind us one more time just how fucking dope she really is. Like we said last time on the on the final chapter review, if this were written in 2020, Jaina would be just as badass as Jason and get more just as much screen time as him mm-hmm. and be way more of an impactful character in your in your memory. Yeah. She's a woman. Disregard her. For seven and a fucking half books. But she shows off her piloting skills. As the Anakin is attacking, blowing up thousands of stealth axes, it sounds like. She loses Zek, and she watches a pile of Jedi get blown up for her entrance onto the Anakin. Then, after she crashes her ship into the Anakin and launches herself through space a second time to go kill her brother... She announces to Jason in the force, here I am and here I come. (laughs) Where's that discipline? The whole point of the book has Luke told you not a thousand times. I'm going to hide you from him so he doesn't see you coming. Well, first fucking chance she gets. Here I come, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm coming for you. Not very Mando. 
And this is the point where I say something I don't want to say. I think character, what? I think Jaina's character is a fucking mess in this book. And I don't mean in an emotional, you nodded at me on an audio podcast. I don't mean that in a, uh, I don't mean that in an emotional way. I don't mean like, oh, she's so conflicted. I mean, it doesn't make sense. Her family is, is sacrificing themselves to protect her mission. And they tell her, keep a low profile. It's a secret. And she starts launching rockets and cutting up a TIE fighter with her lightsaber. Luke says, I'm going to hide you from him. And she goes, ready or not, three, two, one, here I come. Hide and seek. What the fuck is this? Yeah. What? What? <laughs> from being disciplined to rocket launching, from being sneaking to making force announcements. She does a lot of awesome stuff. Yeah, she does. For example, ejecting from the Stealth X through an explosion under the Anakin, right? Uh, ju- jumping out of the Millennium Falcon, or, or that wasn't the Millennium Falcon, it was some kind of other blast boat. Yep. And then, you know, all the, all the dope-ass fighting with her brother. She has a lot of really cool moments. She has good flying with Zek and stuff. But... What is happening with her character? What did she go to Mandalore for? If not... To learn to be so singularly focused on a on your target. Because even when she was on Mandalore with the Mandalorians and the Mandalore. Uh-huh. I did that on purpose. I and I did. fucking did it right. Um, yes, you did. Even when she was there, it was not exactly clear what she was getting out of this. No. And then she talks to an old man on the hill who's like, I'm not going to fight some government's war. I'm a Jedi. And then yeah. she comes to fight with her brother. Ready or not, here I come. I'm not going to use my Shatterpoint power. I'm going to question whether or not I could save him the week after I just cut his arm off. Well, what she learned there was from that guy. Bavine? Oh, that, no, the, the other guy. The, the other Jedi. guy. Yeah. Because he was the kill your brother right. with love. Right, right, right. So was this like the Bavine and the physical training was the red herring where it's like... You think she's going to go and learn that thing, but what she really learns is what she does at the end of the fight, I guess, which is what she calls it, right? She's like, she goes Anakin-level power before he exploded himself, but she uses her love for her brother to do it. Yeah. She specifically says that. You didn't learn any... That... That's it? Oh... There's a lot she of pages. Spent a whole book on Mandalore. Yeah, there's a lot of pages for her to, for one conversation with one random Mando. Anyways, back to the order of events yes, for Jaina. She's being undisciplined. She says, "Ready or not, here I come." And then she's undisciplined again when she finds Murta Gev is on the infirmary floor that she's on, and she goes to rescue her. Now, mind you, Murtagev is paralyzed, so she doesn't end up doing that. But that is not your mission at all. No. What the hell are you doing? How many Jedi Masters just blew up? Bombing the Anakin to take its shields down so you could fucking get in there? What? 
Yeah. What is that? What kind of focus is that? This should be the most singularly focused fucking segment of the entire series for any character. She should be Terminator mode. But she's like making jokes with her hostage. Trying to pick up her Mandalorian friend when her brother's down the hallway. Yeah, she's real wishy-washy about it for sure. What the fuck is that, man? That is not your mission that so many people just died for. Your mission that time and time again we've been told is always the most important mission. And everyone else should die for it. No matter what mission it is. Yours is always the most important, Jaina. Time and time again. And she just takes a fucking detour to go check on her friend. If she hadn't have taken that detour, would Isolder have lived? Would Kaidus have gotten the drop on her instead? Is this just a serendipitous moment in the force? Or was her plan maybe more like, well, me plus Amanda is better than just me? No, I think it's... No, she was going to go set here. her free. Yeah, right? my friend's here. I got to go. I left her it. behind and Boba Fett was mad at me for it. Yeah. And so I was like, you're right. That's what I learned on Mandalore. No man left behind. Even when the whole galaxy is at stake. Are you kidding me? Boba Fett would shoot his own granddaughter's face off a year ago. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably not now. Probably not now. But, you know. They're both stuck orbiting what? Mandalore. What? Why the fuck did you even go to Mandalore? She cuts four GAG guards in half with one swing of her lightsaber. Then it's time for Super Twin Showdown. Somehow, and I'm going to say that again, somehow she surprises Kydus. She has used the force on the Anakin already. She has killed four guards with a lightsaber. She has announced to him through the force that she's coming. Somehow, and this is supposed to just be chalked up to the fucking hubris of Jason Solo, because, you know, he underestimates his sister. Mm-hmm. Somehow, she surprises him. And puts her lightsaber through Jason's chest. And leaves a fucking hole there. <laughs> nice clean hole in him, right? To start their little fantastic final battle. In which... In this final battle, I, I still don't see what her Mandalorian training was for. No gadgets. No Beskar. No mindless fury. No. Specifically that. She does not go into a blind rage. Yeah. So, again, is that the red herring for Mandalore? Because what she does is the thing that the other Jedi told her to do. Kill him with your love. Yeah. Cool. But she was already, she already had that moment earlier. Remember before, I think it was before she went to Mandalore. And I pointed it out because it was so fucking stupid in the text at the time. That she was like, she did something in the force with, no, 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 sorry, it was Jason. Remember Jason, uh, at one point he like, Drew all the force into himself through his love yes. to accomplish his goal or something. And I, I don't remember specifically what he was trying to do at the time. Yeah, I do remember the... But he was already a Sith, and so it was really 
back ass words was weird as fuck. Yeah. Is that just to set us up for this? Well, mm. why did she go to Mandalore? Because, because she needed to learn to love her brother and not hate the monster he's become as if that's who he always has been. Like, remember him for the man he was and love him for that and kill the rabid dog monster. Yeah. So, I'm I'm coming around to accepting the fact that, that that's the real thing that, that she learned on Mandalore because of what you said. She didn't go fucking rage mode. She didn't... Jason's throwing just as many punches and kicks and elbows as she is. She didn't learn any hand-to-hand specialty shit on Mandalore either. So, if that's what she learned on Mandalore then please tell me why she spent all that other time there doing all those other things because none of that even really led her to that Jedi on the hill. No. She got she she didn't get access to that Jedi through training with Boba Fett. Kind indirectly. Kind of, yeah. Not directly by like I'm going to teach you. I'm going to take it to somebody who's going to teach you how to do it, mate, whatever yeah. whatever. However she showed up at a place and the guy happened to be there and she felt him in the forest and then later followed up on that. Yeah. And independent of, of Boba Fett, but she brought him to Boba Fett to heal his, to heal his wife, mind fucked wife, Chris yeah. Angel. And then, but it was not okay. So I'm coming around again more on this to liking this because she has done what Jason did. She accomplished her goal in a different way than she thought she was while she was doing it. We'll talk about that with Jason at the end, Mm -hmm. but like she thought she was going to Mandalore to learn to fight her brother to death. And now I'm not liking this based on what I'm about to say. (laughs) She learned when I learned how to love him to death. Yeah. I don't think I just, all right. And I'm, <laughs> that's just not what you, you should. Okay. Get that and a suit of armor and a fucking bunch of j- yeah. gadgets and rockets and shit too. All right. Blow him up with a suit of armor rockets with love. <laughs> I just, I don't know, fucking, it seemed like she walked away from that. So empty handed and it's just not, it's just not ingrained heavily enough in the, in the text. Of, yeah. Like, because of what we talked about, the two of them are not even fucking linked through all these books. Yeah. What 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 if they were? And all through the books, instead of just hating his fucking guts and then having this one dude be like, he's hurt. Put him out of his misery. Show him some mercy love. What if she's having that in the back of her head the whole time? Mm-hmm. Where she's like, oh, my my brother would never do that. Instead of saying that and disowning him. Say, my brother would never do that. And then kill him with kindness. You know, like, before he becomes a major, major problem. As a supplementary to her, like, use your love to kill him. um, All the stuff that she observed while she was there. Mm. Murta forgiving. Fuck you for making me like this right now, but go ahead. Carry on. (laughs) Murta and Boba Fett and even Sintas and Boba Fett 
Bevin and all his as crazy and dangerous as he could be and his love for his family and all, maybe all that supplementary stuff was also part of it. And the biggest theme of all that family medicine that she got on Mandalore was mm-hmm. forgiveness. Yeah. No matter what terrible things you've done. Ugh. I still... Hmm. I'm going to fucking meditate on that for the week. And we're going to talk about that more <laughs> All right. next week in the full series review. Hot. It could be all right. We could be all right here. <laughs> we're coming like we're coming through to an idea here that maybe we should have picked up on along the way. But it just feels like Jaina wasn't around enough for that. It took the culmination of the very end and her saying my love for my brother. That, that yeah, brought she had to fucking thoughts. literally say it out loud for yeah. it to make sense. Yeah. Jason did it earlier, and there's sirens outside. That's weird. This small town? Jesus. Um, I don't want to like it. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of don't, because it's so flimsy. Yeah. Or maybe I just was reading it wrong. Where, oh, fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Fuck. Do we got to do this book series again right now? Are we just going to reboot this right away? <laughs> right away. Back to betrayal, baby. <laughs> to breed Jaina. Because what I'm thinking now is I was reading that the whole Mandalore section. Looking for more depth in the training than I was looking for what she was learning from the emotions around yeah. her. Because they really only showed like two training sessions. Yeah. The rest was all family shit. But even that still is like a little weak because you've got your own family of heroes, man. Luke Skywalker, who's turned to the dark side and back your aunt Mara, who turned to the dark side, was born in the dark side and turned back. You know, you have had a lot of experience with forgiveness already. Mm-hmm. Your family is fucking forgiveness. Yeah. Your uncle's the king of it. So it takes... Maybe maybe I just don't like the whole concept of her going to Mandalore in the first place. Because why... What are you going to learn from strangers? Now, mind you, specifically Boba Fett is a Jedi killer. Yeah. He has. Specifically many times. But he doesn't give her any of that special information because he's playing fucking poker. Right, keeping his cards close to his chest and all that jazz. Duh, is it good? <laughs> it it's well, it's neither good nor bad. It's just another way to look at her is, whole thing. Is that why we check in with Murta Gev right before we go fight Jason Solo? Where, yeah, because Murta at the end of book eight was the after her wedding was the one telling Jaina, maybe forgive him. Maybe forgive your brother. Yeah. Remember? And we were like, don't fucking try. Don't you dare talk her back now. But again, that would have been the scene to, to touch on that. When, when she goes to see her in the infirmary, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they don't even talk about what Jane is going to do or what she's here for. Cause it's obvious. They just talk about, I'm sorry. I left you behind. Oh my God. You're paralyzed. Here's a gun. Pop, pop, pop. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe this is just going to be another thing that needed more, you know? Yeah. And maybe if, let's say, 
For example, in comparison to other massive book series that I've read, maybe if this was written by one person, Mm -hmm. it would be a more coherent story. Could be, yeah. I mean, at the same time, it's a patchwork of like 12 major characters that you're trying to put together across these nine books as well, right? From from Luke and all the Jedi family to Lumaya and, and bad guys. 12 different characters from three different perspectives. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Christ. <laughs> I just think more. That's what I think. More. Yeah. More. Mm, or am I just stupid? <laughs> you know, and it's all there. <laughs> it's that's the I problem, think, right? That's I think a lot of it might have been there, and we both missed it. Just it was all there, like a little, maybe a little too subtly. Yeah, yeah. For it, just for being seriously though, like one gadget. Yeah, one gadget would have been cool. Just even like a one crush gaunt or something hey. would have been cool, right? Yeah. yeah. Just didn't even put the gloves on, man. Her dad had him. Had or Jag had him. Well, anyways, anyways, anyways. She gets thrown into the side of the incinerator, and when she's at her lowest moment, about to be defeated physically, not mentally, she pulls in all the love and strength from the force of her love and bond with her brother, and she ignores Kytus's pleas to stop the fighting. There's no time for this. And when she gets her chance, she takes it. Jaina puts her lightsaber through Jason's chest and into his heart. And sitting in the aftermath, uh, in a traumatized stupor, she can feel the twin bond again. And I'll just say it one more time. What does that mean? My eyes are big. <laughs> Wide for he's got full on audience, full on anime eyes right now. <laughs> wow, seriously, what does that mean? She also tells Jag that she loves him, she's rescued by her parents, and says that she has become a sword of the Jedi. And go find Zek. And everybody has paid a fucking heavy toll to fulfill this little prophecy, haven't they? Yeah, thanks, Luke. <laughs> Zek may be dead, he just goes all those years ago. Ah, incoming message from the big talking head. And he's like, uh, never shall you rest. Never will you know peace. Fuck you, buddy. Sword of the Jedi. Good luck. You know, snaps back to reality from his little nap. And now he does that a lot. Their family has been destroyed by this (laughs) wonderful twin prophecy. Jaina was in battle mode for this entire book. There are moments where she's thinking things mm-hmm. and mostly that's in like those little interludes where like we get it in the prologue where she's yeah. experiencing experiencing this memory of Jason. The two page things with no chapter heading. Yeah. Like the little interlude again where she's uh, now she's remembering uh, Jason again. How great he used to be. Normally when she's in time of pain and he's coming to comfort her. Exactly. Yeah. And that's. Those are the times when she realized she loved him the most. Yeah. The times when she realized she needed him the most. The times when she realized, or like the times that he was at his best. Because those are the moments she draws on. As I'll say many times over the next 
two full handwritten pages that are about Jason Solo, he is at his best when he's protecting the people that he loves. Yeah. But Jaina was swinging lightsabers from the beginning of this book to the end of the book. From the Nickel One invasion to trying to rescue Ben and Shivu to blowing up shit with stealth exes to jumping on the Anakin and killing her brother. Everything she did in this book was action hero sequence. Yeah. She Now, this is maybe a little bit too much. Okay. She jumps out of a ship into clear space twice. Yeah. Don't do it twice. Do it once. Don't do it twice. Yeah, well, once Don't do it twice good. in the same book. There's three conflicts in this book. She does it twice. Ah, all right. It's just a little bit... Uh, but not from too much. Well, from a literary standpoint, yes. But from a strategic standpoint, no. No, both times made perfect sense. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I I totally agree with that. But that's when you got to get more creative with your problems and solutions as a writer. Yeah. Don't write the same problem twice. Then you know. Could have just had her just shut off all her power and just float in. Yeah, just like, like, a, like a stealth, stealth mission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and she's just like screaming on a fucking microphone the whole way. <laughs> megaphone i met she had some emotional moments of reflection like we said over her brother about herself even about the war but like everyone else in this finale she was pretty focused on a single dimension of her character which was you know fight win be the sword yeah fulfill my destiny be the sword we were talking all these books about jason's destiny jason's destiny look at all the things he's doing but in the end, it winds up being Jaina's prophecy that's fulfilled. Right? I think. I mean, her prophecy seems it's never like, ending. Yeah, like a lifelong thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's her prophecy beginning, maybe. Yeah. So, I guess Jason was the sword of the Jedi against the Yuzhan Vong? Because she didn't. Yeah. She didn't sword it. She did a lot of stuff. She did do a lot of stuff. I don't remember specifically what. It's a lot of books to remember. But, uh, prophecy fulfilled! So I guess, Jaina just saved the galaxy. What was your favorite moment of Jaina Solo? Is it kind of cheating to say the end? No, but what part, specifically? Um, when she, like, when a scene where she would, like, when she stabs him in the chest, or cuts his arm off or whatever and he's still fighting her he's yeah. sta- and she's like those moments oh my god when she's facing her brother and she's yeah those kind of things like how is he doing that the terrified moments i like those yeah i liked i liked either one of the free space jumps they were good scenes they were really strong moments for her mm-hmm. i i also liked her describing her guts moving after Jason sliced her belly with the lights. Yeah. Something moved where it shouldn't have. Yeah. Something slid into that now vacant space. And then I, the, my favorite part, because it blew my mind was her saying that she could feel the twin bond again. Yeah. But is that just her in shock? Maybe she was wrong. I fucking doubt it. But what does that mean? She killed the monster and only her brother remains. Like in the force. 
her brother being our final character that we're going to discuss. Keeping that top spot on the rankings ever since <laughs> book number one. Yeah. Jason Solo, formerly Darth Kytus, 2020 Vision winner. And we're reminded by the prologue of what a good guy Jason is. And we get treated to a little Jason joke at the head of each chapter to remind us what a good guy that Jason used to be. He used to be funny, remember? Mm-hmm. He remembered that at one point. <laughs> at Crash, one point. I gotta tell a joke here. He enters the book thinking and coming to the end of the book, reviewing the thing as a whole, I love that this is how Jason enters the narrative in this book. Thinking he had made some mistakes. (laughs) I love that that's how he's introduced in the final book here because Ever since he's been on his own, it's been mistake after mistake after mistake. Cocky, overconfident, yep. mistake of hubris. Ever since Lumaya died. And he steps in to the story and says, I've made some mistakes. As we've seen across several previous books, and throughout this one as well, the hubris continues, and the arrogant oversights are plentiful. Kytus decides, though, to learn from these previous mistakes. He wants to be patient a patient and loving Sith Lord. He meets the moths on nickel one, and when they disrespect him, he thinks, I'm not going to snap their faces off their heads. I deserve this for my arrogant mistakes. I deserve this disrespect for being foolish. <laughs> for being a psychopath. And unfocused. Misguided. Thus, Leading us to believe he's going to stop making mistakes now. Put that in stone. It's guaranteed. Now, I wonder about this. Maybe this could have been a real turning point for Darth Kytus, the Sith Lord, to actually being a good leader. Like a good, be a good guy again, Mm -hmm. but still be a Sith Lord. What if, what if this, you know, this, this, um, this new hope of his is was gonna, was going to be the new way. You know, what if that was going to be the new normal? And like for 40 years, he rules as a Sith Lord, iron fist, but everybody looks back and they're like, oh yeah, he just, he snapped a couple necks back in the beginning, but he's been fucking cool ever since. Yeah. What if this would have been a nice turning point for him? Were Luke not meddling in all of his visions of the future. And I'm not even talking about the white throne vision. Just talking about the other stuff that he's been doing. He says he's been doing all this time along the way. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe it could have been a different Darth Kytus. I'll be asking that question again as we go along. Mm-hmm. When the Mandos come to liberate Nickel One from Kytus and the Moths, well, he defends them. Slaughters Mandalorians with a variety of skills. Lightsabers, blaster deflections, body throwing, lightning blasting. Throat choking, a little bit of Shatterpoint, to remind us, the reader, how outmatched anybody is against this guy. He kills a squad of Mandalorians. Yeah. Yeah. I think... The most armored, most armed, armid 
people other than you know. I think only one gets killed by the, the other people, and they. Yeah, yeah. The, only one. Yeah. The one that they cook in their armor with by shooting it a bunch of times. <laughs> that's. That's how goddamn dangerous Jason Solo is. Yeah. Also, to remind us, once again, like I said, look at how powerful he is when he's defending others. He comes to defense of the moths, and look at how fucking powerful of an ally he is to have defending you. Mm -hmm. As Jaina is remembering, what an amazing duty is saving me, defending me, protecting me. That's Jason Solo. He is the protector boy. You know, that's how he got himself in this situation was that he wanted to protect his daughter specifically, but the galaxy from chaos of war again. Yeah. But his problem was he, he went to be proactive about it and he took the, well, he, he went, he, a he went on hard. the, he went on the, <laughs> instead of being the defense, he went on the attack with it. Exactly. He right? took the preemptive like we, strike. Like we talked about earlier at a certain point in this war, he stopped dealing justice and started making examples. Yeah. Which is not... That's Darth Kytus, right? Yeah. Jason Solo protecting people is Jason Solo at his strongest. And Kytus becomes very confused during this defense of the Moffs when he gets shot and then attacked by Luke, then Jaina, then he sees Luke again. Meanwhile... His arm gets cut off, <laughs> forcing him to retreat because, quote, Luke is the one swordsman in the galaxy I wouldn't fight one-armed. And we're back to hubris. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I know I saw Jaina, but fuck her. I'll cut her stupid head right off. Even with one arm. <laughs> Luke Skywalker is the only person in the galaxy I would not face with one arm. And he's probably not wrong. No, probably not. We've seen what he can do. We just saw it. <laughs> it's bad. Now, this hubris brought to you by probably his fear and hatred of Uncle Lukey. Yeah. Like, he's afraid of Luke. That's yeah, why absolutely. he has such strong reactions and, and hatred and anger about him. Is because, especially as a Sith Lord, you know, Luke Skywalker is the shining light that's going to take away all of your darkness that you're trying to spread in the name of control yeah he hates his guts he also didn't didn't really get along with him since the Yuzhan Vong war if I remember correctly it's been a while so kind of gets rattled fighting Uncle Luke leaves retreat from this battle I must go heal and we see the fear and hate kind of spilling out of him a little bit later on well I guess shortly after this moment He's still all rattled when he's threatening Murtagev or he can't cheer up Tahiri. Mm -hmm. Like he's shook. Yeah, because he's, he's Tahiri, suck it up. Basically. Nobody's listening to him anymore. Murta yeah. won't give him the answers he wants. Tahiri won't feel better when I tell her to feel better for yeah. murdering a man accidentally. And then when the moths start talking about making a hapen blood nano killer, we see the back half of Kytus's pride again. That fear that comes with that pride. He is so scared that his daughter's going to die. Mm -hmm. Now, speaking of that pride, that hubris, 
The back half of it is fear. The front half of it is fueled by surviving Luke's bombing run on the Anakin. It's fueled by receiving a vision of Alana on a white throne. All of this hubris and certainty of victory. He sees Jaina saying, here I come. And he already knows she doesn't stand a chance because he knows his sister better than anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's enough to lock this in to the end. Those those combination of those three things there pushes Kaidas over the edge for the rest of the book. It, away from apparently ever questioning defeat or a threat against him. Because Jaina says, here I come. And then he's just like, all right. I'm going to just keep doing what I'm doing. Yeah, he tells one of his his little underlings, hey, my sister's coming. Right. Like, keep an eye out. Luke ain't shit. Jaina can't touch me. And I already won because I saw the future. So it's time for some more mistakes. <laughs> Buckle up. Kytus tells Tahiri, here we go, that her time travel kiss changed nothing. Then he sends her away to go find the Jedi. When he knows that Jaina is coming, he sends away his apprentice, who is very skilled with a lightsaber. When he knows that Jaina is coming, he leaves himself vulnerable. Yeah. And unprotected. What was the point of creating this pet the whole time? What was the point of training Tahiri? If when the Jedi come to get you, you're not going to use her. I find that to be a major fucking flaw. And it's, of course, he's so confident. Right? Yep. I saw it. I saw the victory. We win. It's great. Everybody wins. We. We do. He doesn't actually see himself in the vision. No. And that's good enough for him, though. Because yeah. really, and I guess that comes down to the heart of it, he's not doing any of this for him. No. He's not. He doesn't. He doesn't even consider the fact that he doesn't see himself in that vision. Nope. He just sees his daughter. He sees white light and he knows good. I yeah. did it. White. I did what I wanted. I, I made a, a good world for my daughter. Yeah. White is good. My daughter's there. Yeah. It's awesome. Clearly I, I must just be in the background making sandwiches or something for yeah. this party, but yeah. we win. You know, I get it. I'm getting the picnic basket ready for after. But seriously, you send her away. You send your apprentice away. Once when okay. <laughs> Jason's supposed to be smart. Yeah. Jason's supposed to be calculating. Jason's supposed to be omniscient at this fucking point. Now mind you, he's getting a lot of static from Luke Skywalker, right? But just like him not thinking Mandalorians had vacuum sealed suits. That bothers me. Yeah, that that's... don't don't send your apprentice away. Why? How did he not? Why didn't he just send her after Jaina? Jaina is nothing for me. Go find her, kill her. Thanks. That's your job. What? At the very least, Tahiri would be dead, and Jaina'd be weak, and then he'd win. Right. <laughs> right. It's like you set up. That's, that's worst send case. The minion in that point. to weaken the group, and then you smash him with the big boss. Yeah. Easy peasy. But no, man, he he's looking way past the little picture. The little picture. 
he's so focused on the big picture of you know eradicating the jedi now is his goal because remember he knows now that the key is to defeat luke skywalker that's all part of the thing too is that to win the war, I have to, I have to kill Luke Skywalker. Yeah. Jaina doesn't factor into this. Because every time he closes his eyes, he sees Luke's face. So he wants Tahiri to go find the Jedi to find Luke. Mm-hmm. But why not? Like, why not? Just use Tahiri in this capacity as like a bodyguard. Nope. Okay. That's fine. Sends her off to go find the Jedi. Very dumb. Kaidus is then forced to kill Tenelka's father, Prince Isolder. To stop the Moss from getting his blood, even though it turns out they already betrayed him. It's too late. And they got that blood. <laughs> you know how the Imperials are. We're going to get that blood. He finds needle marks on his soldier's hands and arms while disposing of his body. But saving Alana is all that matters. The vision, Tim. <laughs> he must save her to bring peace to the galaxy. And he's not willing to make that sacrifice. He's not willing to let the Moffs kill Alana so that he can focus on finding the Jedi and winning the war. Yeah. He needs to stop the Moffs because he cannot sacrifice his daughter for the greater good of the galaxy. As was obvious, he never fucking was going to do that. No. I wouldn't either. No. You can all burn in a fucking fire. Me and my kid... We'll be over here dying last. That's that's just, that's just simple human emotion and psychology. Yeah, you can't. It's not Sophie's choice. It's not. It's not. It's not a movie. All right, it's a book, but like you, you don't. You don't sacrifice your own kid for anything. No, no. It's a biological imperative to keep your children alive. Yeah, exactly. It. It, there's a reason why it feels good emotionally and mentally to raise children. Because if it didn't, you wouldn't keep them alive. Because <laughs> they're terrible most of the time. <laughs> but he, he, he never... That was the one sacrifice that he was going to have to make. It was obvious. He was afraid of it from the very beginning. As soon as Lumaya read him the fucking tassels or whatever. And as you must make a sacrifice. He was like, oh my God, don't tell anybody. But I have a wife and daughter. Oh my God, it's going to be them. It's yeah. going to be them. No, it was, turns out to be his aunt and the adoration of his nephew and uh, uh, his cousin. Sorry. He might have won if he chest. killed his daughter. Imagine. Yeah. If she wasn't around, he might have won. Had she died halfway through when he rescued her from Aelin Vell? No, the other one. Or uh, Singh. Or Singh. I got it. Remember? I couldn't remember that yeah. one. Anyways, had Alana died. When he was trying to rescue her from Aura Singh, sad, sad, sad. But then Luke doesn't have this vision to use against him. Mm-hmm. This perfect check all the boxes so hard that he would never question it type of vision. And he's and he's less distracted the whole time too because he's always got one my, one eye, one part of his mind on Alana. Exactly, and that's. How he was doomed from the start. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wonder what what ooh, what if Lumaya would have known? How did she not know? She seemed so not to say omniscient again, but she seemed so well informed. Yeah, or like 
intuitive and insightful. She has so much knowledge about everything. What if she would have known? What if Jason would have been like, at the moment, just be like, oh my God, I have to tell her because they have to die. Lumaya, I have to make a sacrifice of my daughter and wife, I think. Oh my God. You know what I mean? Yeah. But of course, instead, he does the Darth Vader thing. Where he hides his love from the public, which they think the repercussions are going to be so drastic, right? Like, oh, if people know who Alana's father is, then they'll try to kill her in Tunnel Ka. Just it's more information to use against them. Yeah, what if it's not though? What if you're living a secret lie all this time, like Anakin Skywalker mm-hmm. with his secret love and secret lie, causing yourself pain all this time? That's really just poisoning you, and it's. The crack in your fucking foundation that the dark side seeps in through is the pain of not being honest with your love. Yeah. Like nothing feels worse than that. The things you care about the most, you can't act like you care about them. Yeah. And so he never told anybody that he had a daughter or Tenelka as a, as a lover. And so he's doomed from the start because as much as he wanted to tell himself all the way that he's not walking that same path as his grandfather, you fucking dumb bitch. (laughs) It's exactly the same shit from page one. That's where you were. (laughs) Yeah. And he goes, even goes back in time and watches him a few times. And he's like, nah, I'm totally not doing that. I'm not. I'm not killing younglings. I'm not. Yeah. Oh, I didn't kill any kids. I just kidnapped one and dressed her up like my daughter and put her in a box and flew her across the fucking galaxy. <laughs> no, I just killed Boba Fett's kid, but she was grown up. That's fine. Like, nope. You're doing exactly what the fuck your grandfather did. And to make it worse, you're exactly the kind of character who's supposed to be smart enough to understand that. Wise enough, learned enough to fucking see a pattern, bud. Yeah. At least with Anakin going to the movies. <laughs> yeah. I want to see that little short film. Anakin going to the movies. <laughs> he was he was erratic. He was emotional. He wasn't that Right. He wasn't the stoic level headed Jason Solo. Yeah. Which is where he convinced himself in the beginning, right? He's like, Oh, I don't act like that. Yeah. I'm not, I don't, I don't get upset about sand. (laughs) (laughs) I heard it. Yeah. Like, I don't know what I, I just, that is the one, one undeniable strength of this series is that that little piece of truth was never going to change him. Not being able to sacrifice his family, mm-hmm. his daughter, and more specifically. Because yeah. there was points he was ready to kill Tenelka. But never Alana. So far to the point that he went and kidnapped her. And that singular truth never changed throughout the entire book, or entire series, that he was doomed from the start. And we fucking all knew it. Yep. Maybe maybe you, you wonder if things will change along the way. Like maybe the kid will die in an accident or something. Or like 
Not that he's going to sacrifice her specifically because I don't, you know, whatever. But. Nope. That was it from the beginning, man. Yeah. It was. His very first fear was exactly what was his undoing. His very first fear when he got this prophecy of his Sith mantle that he was going to have to take upon and rule the galaxy with. His very first fear was, oh my God, my wife and daughter. Oh my God, my secret wife and daughter. Yep. Who I don't ever get to see. Because that was the whole reason for starting this in the first place was... I become all-powerful, I make the galaxy safe, and then I can see my daughter whenever I want. Right, exactly. And now, to make the point one more time, what would have happened if Luke didn't give him that vision of Alana on the White Throne? What would have changed in... Jason Solo or in Darth Kytus here, I guess mm-hmm. what would have changed in his decisions and his actions. If Luke didn't give him that consecrating vision that makes him so undeniably positively sure that he's going to get what he wants by doing what he's doing. What if there's a little bit of doubt in there, man? How much of this is Luke Skywalker's fault? That's just, I want to just leave that there. Because as Kytus discovers the needle marks all over Princey Solder and saving Alana becomes the only important thing in the whole galaxy, as it always was, Kytus is deafened by fury and blinded by a fusion reactor. He's stabbed by Jaina. And he becomes a Terminator-style unstoppable danger machine after she puts a hole in his body. But the fight is taking too long. He, th- he thinks, we've got to stop this and save Alana. He pleads to Jaina, even explains a little bit, clips his lightsaber on his belt. All he wants is to save his daughter. He doesn't want to kill his sister. He doesn't want revenge against this attacker right now he doesn't want to nuke the jedi he wants to get to his daughter and save her life Mm -hmm. but jaina's relentless mandalorian training (laughs) kicks in and kytus gets pinned down hopelessly and when the killing blow comes kytus does not defend he dies And Jason Solo is back for a final moment. A primal blood-curdling scream through the force. A warning for Tenelka and Alana. And I'm going to cry again, saying it for the 1500th time, but he died protecting his family. He died Mm -hmm. the way he lived. He died the way... Doing the thing that he... Always did. He died doing what he was trying to do. Yeah. All he was trying to do this whole time was protect his wife. He died as a protector. And he died as that sentinel Jedi. You know, that sentinel. That paragon of protection. Yeah. That's a a real good one. It's not even written on the paper. (laughs) (laughs) But it's so 
this is what I mean when I say I'm not complaining about these books because this is such a perfect ending for Jason Solo. Yeah. This whole madness of his is spurred on by number one, a timely slip of a Sith lady. Here, oh, here's a secret about you, Jason, right? Combined with his absolute mad fear for his family's safety. Mm-hmm. And so everything he does all along the way from killing Nalani to blowing up a terrorist to smashing Aelin Vell in the inside her brain to death and lighting Kashyyyk on fire and kidnapping his daughter and exiling his parents and trying to blow up the Millennium Falcon and all of it all the way is a misguided attempt to create peace for his family. Jason Solo died protecting his family. Alana is alive. He did it. She's alive. Mm -hmm. Jason Solo died uniting the galaxy. He did it. And Jason Solo is dead. Man died a hero. He's my fucking hero. Yeah. Even though, like we said, a lot more stupidity along the way than I remembered. Yeah. A lot more misguided mistakes. And again, what if Lumaya were still alive? What if what if Luke didn't give him those visions? What if Alana had died? What if Alana and Tanokal wasn't a secret? It's just so many pieces of this guy's life came together to create this scenario where, number one, he's desperate. As this war is about to break out again, he's got a four-year-old now. Didn't have that last time. Yeah. This war is different for him. And then you mix that with the the, the opportune moment of Lumaya stepping in. Yeah, how opportune telling him his was Sith it? destiny. Well, as we know about her, everything was fucking on schedule. <laughs> yeah. On purpose. She was great. But for him, being his last ever appearance, ever, he's dead. We really didn't get very many pages inside his head. No. And not... Not but that final thought during that final fight. All you get is the... Jaina's feeling of him screaming out a warning to Tenelkal and Alana. You don't even get to experience him doing that. Him thinking, oh my god, this is it. Him changing from Kaidus back to Jason at the last moment, as Jaina said she felt. You don't get that. Yeah. Now, the ending is great. The battle is great. The book is great. Jason's death is great. But I want more. I want more time in his perspective before he's gone forever. Right? Yeah. We Well, we talked about it last week. We know, want yeah. a couple perspective cuts at the end there. And we wanted the one time we wanted it. We don't get it. We don't get it at all. <laughs> yeah, you're right. This whole book has been fucking chop suey. This whole, I mean, this whole, this whole book series. Yeah. It's been just choppy, choppy pee pee all day. <laughs> and then when I bring that Kai and Tai joke back, I'd say it all the time. 
And then at the, in the very end, which is a stylistic choice. Mm-hmm. That's fine. Yeah. It really is fine. It really is. But I want it. You know, it just leaves me feeling unfulfilled that little bit more, which is then maybe the impetus to grab the fucking next book and be like, does anybody talk about what happened with Jason here? Is anybody going to talk about what happened in this book? Right. But we don't. And Jason Solo is dead. What was your favorite moment of Jason Solo in this book? Is when he is when he is Jason. That very last little bit, Mm. from the point where he yells out, and then when Jaina says she can feel him again, that that bit. Short little window there. Yeah, I because the rest of it, he's just kind of doing stupid stuff. Yeah, I know. He's like, it's it's oversight after oversight. Yeah. Why are you telling? Why are you telling Tahiri that? you manipulated her in a, in a meaningless, worthless way. Now on the elevator before you go send her away. Why? Why now? Yes. Yeah. Cause you're being cocky. Cause you're so confident that you were winning. Right. My favorite part was, uh, number one. Well, number two. Okay. So runner up is uh, when he almost threw Jane into the fusion fusion reactor. Because yeah, imagine, imagine <laughs> if he just whipped her into a nuclear oven and it was over. Jane <laughs> <laughs> goes in to be the hero, cooked. We would have had a lot more fucking emotional reactions from the Jedi if that had happened. I yeah. guarantee you that shit. But no, my real favorite moment was when he got that vision of Alana on the White Throne. He was so happy. Yeah. He was so happy. Like we said, he didn't, Maybe didn't even notice or mention that he wasn't in it. Yeah. He wasn't in it. His daughter was alive and well. He and was like... just so happy that he did his thing. He did accomplish his goal, saved his daughter. Oh my God. Look, there's her in the future. I know she's going to be okay. Cause the force doesn't lie to me. I'm too powerful. Right. <laughs> yeah. But he was happy. He was really like almost elated for the back half of this book. Yeah, and that was which was that was his nice Jason send-off. moment too. That right. was a Jason moment. Yeah, yeah. But now he's gone. Yep. And that's all for Legacy of the Force Book Nine, Invincible. Next week. We review the entire nine-book Legacy of the Force series as a whole. Betrayal, Bloodlines, Tempest, Exile, Sacrifice, Inferno, Fury, Revelation, Invincible. What worked, what didn't, highlights, lowlights, character arcs, what made us feel satisfied, and what left us wanting more. For now, I'm Justin. I'm Tim. Goodbye, my lover. (laughs) Goodbye, my friend. You have been a one. You have been a one for me. For any comments and questions, you can hit us up at forevercanonpodcast at gmail.com. Forever Canon Podcast is a Jay Plazer production. Catch us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, Twitter, and YouTube at Jay Plazer. Check us out.